Welcome back to the Mammy Show. This is your host, Rohit. Today we have Joe, the founder of Watcher of Partners and Stock Compensation Planner. Thank you, Joe, for getting into the show. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to chatting with you. Awesome. Do you know that your name is also rhyming? <laughs> A little bit, yeah. Yeah, not a little bit, it's completely Joe and welcome back to the show. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> awesome. Would you just like to give a quick intro about yourself to the audience, like how you got started with your journey of business and this stock composition planning as well? Yeah, it all started back uh, growing up in a small town in Pennsylvania, uh, where I grew up. Um, picture your one traffic light kind of town. My mom was a school teacher. My father was a car mechanic. And I learned some really good values from both of them uh, about working hard, being diligent, and always being accountable. And I've translated that into my career over my life. I went to school, studied finance. I had a many, many jobs in finance, investment banking, private equity, hedge fund. And I came to work in financial planning because one, along the way, I'd get so many questions from people about what they should do or the kind of help they needed. And I really enjoy helping others, especially within the financial realm, because I'm very well qualified. Along the way, I got my CFA charter. I also have my CFP certificate. So I really enjoy helping people do their financial planning. And what financial planning is, is sure, it, it involves money, but it's more than that. It's saying, okay, here's my life now, and here's where I want to go. And where where you want to go, it could be anything. It could be leaving as much money as you want to your grandkids. It could be having the option to never work again. Yeah. It could be living in the south of France. So it's all very exciting stuff. So whatever that want for someone out there listening is, that's what I help people do. Okay, cool. So explain like like little bit, you know, like what financial mean financial planning actually means to someone you know like financial planning can be for future for some short term as well it can be for long term as well you know it can be for the business as well it can be personal as well so how should someone consider the same mm -hmm. uh, yeah so you're right it could be for personal or for businesses yeah. but i focus on people yeah. and it could be short term it could be next month all the way up to someone retiring, which for if someone's very young, that could be 40 years into the future. And it's also everything in between. So essentially what you know, what the planning, you know, quote unquote planning part is, is really the steps that the person needs help taking to get to where they want to go. So maybe they want to buy a home or they want to send their kid uh, to college or there's any other sort of financial goal that someone has. Um, I really help them understand where they are and the steps. I help guide them to take the steps that they need to take to get to where they want to go. I get it. I get it. Cool. Awesome. So you talk about the stock options, you know, so explain something about the stock options if someone don't know. Mm -hmm. Well, in the U.S. market, uh, there's two types of stock options and your one, one is tax advantage. The other is not. And there's all sorts of legal and tax yeah. implications around these things. So we won't get too much into the nitty gritty, but essentially what the options do is that they provide a way for people who work at the company, uh, a way for them to get, get some wealth, increase their financial stability. 
And it's done in a way because a lot of times these companies start off very, very small and the companies can't pay a lot of salary to the employees. So they give them a piece of the company in the form of an option. And then it's up to the employee to essentially, if they want to take advantage of, you know, of, of that option. So let's replace the word option with choice. So they have the choice to essentially buy the option um, at a lower price. Let's say they could buy it for $1. And if the company's worth $20, then they make the $19 difference uh, multiplied by how many options that they own. So it could be a very, very lucrative experience uh, for many people. And it just it's a way for people who are risk-seeking, uh, people who are joining small, risky-type companies that in the end, there, there will be a payoff for them. I get it. Cool. And what do you like? What do you mean by the restricted stock unit? You know, like you said in the last conversation as well, like about this term. So, if someone don't know how you would like to explain. Yeah. So, um, the options are more geared towards smaller startup companies. Uh, they do exist at publicly traded companies as well, but in on our issue, a restricted stock unit is a unit that is more familiar, more more presence at publicly traded companies. And what that is, it's shares of stock that people are paid. So let's say someone gets paid $100,000 for their salary. Maybe 20,000 of that is the, is RSUs and the 80,000 is cash. Mm -hmm. And over time, that 20,000 will vest. And, and what vesting means is the, comp the, the company will allow the employee to actually own and possess those shares. And that time period could vary uh, by company could be every month, every quarter, maybe after one year, maybe a couple of years. And then once the employee owns the shares, they decide what they want to do with them. And mm -hmm. as someone moves, yeah, if someone moves up in a company, they get promoted, they get salary increases, they usually get RSU increases. So at some point they can't have a lot of money tied up in the stock of the company that's traded um, on the NASDAQ or New York Stock Exchange. And given recent events over the past year or so, that, that's been, it's been risky uh, for a lot of people. Clearly, it's always risky, but given that the markets are in the, the form that they're in, it's caused a lot of pain through money loss for a lot of people, unfortunately. I get it. Cool. Awesome. Cool. So uh, we are like all of us heard about decompounding, you know, Warren Buffett mm -hmm. or how compounding works, you know. So tell us something about how compounding actually works, you know, starting from zero to one and then one to ten, two, two to four, four to eight and so on, you know. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, I actually learned about compounding well before I ever knew who Warren Buffett was. <laughs> In the small town where I grew up, I mentioned there was the main corner on the street. And on that corner was the shoe store that was run by Mr. Klein. And Mr. Klein was a very successful businessman. His father actually started the business a generation before him. Yeah. <clears throat> and it was one of those you know, classic American storefronts where you walk in and along the, the way into the store, there's two glass windows. So you could see all the merchandise, you know, the shoes, the coats, uh, the pants that he was selling. And I would always get my sneakers there when I was a kid. And... It was a really cool store because I'd walk in and I could smell 
could smell the leather from the shoes and the boots and all the items he was selling and had these like creaky old hardwood floors. And I knew that he was very successful. And the one day I asked him, I said, Mr. Klein, what's one business tip you could share with me? Hmm. And he said, worry about the pennies and the dollars will add up. And what he was essentially describing to me was compounding. Yeah. Uh, so the next day I went and opened a bank account. Uh, interest rates were, were pretty high then. I was a kid in the 80s. So I, I learned the concept of compounding. And just to put it into perspective, uh, this is a, a question I ask everyone. If I can have one cent, if you would give me one cent Rohit and then double it for 30 days yes. and then pay me that amount at the end of 30 days, would you do that? Yeah, I mean, like, it's real, you know, like, uh, like, starting from, like, it's real, like, it's compound, like, one to two, and, if, you know, like, money makes money, you know that, mm -hmm. money makes money, that's how it also works, you know, like, it's easy, it's even hard to make first 10,000 or maybe $100,000, or maybe first million dollars, you can say, you know, it's hard to make, like, a nominal, but once you make that point, you can obviously go up as early as possible once you hit that milestone, you know? Exactly. Cool. So tell us something more about like the portfolio things, you know, like you talk about diversification in the portfolio, not just having mm -hmm. a one company or maybe the one stock or maybe the one thing into the portfolio, having a lot. So how that yeah. helps. Yeah. Yeah, one stock is clearly a risky strategy. <laughs> I would tell you that in, in the realm of a portfolio, any position over 5% of the portfolio is risky and is in need of diversification. And um, that's clearly going on now in the market. People are learning that the hard way. And people learned it many years ago in 2008 and 2009 when markets went the wrong way, uh, unfortunately. But uh, one thing that comes to mind is, I mentioned before, my first job was investment banking. I was an analyst right out of college. Yeah. And I'd bought some shares in the company. And the stocks did really, really well when I worked there. It did very, very well. And I left, you know, I completed my analyst program. I left, mm -hmm. I went to a different job after that. And upon leaving, I started selling my shares because at that point, it actually was a, a, a big part of my portfolio. And I didn't really feel comfortable with that amount of risk. So, Start selling it down, selling it down, and eventually sold out of all of it and diversified into a broader ETFs in my yeah. portfolio, mm -hmm. which made a lot of sense for me. It was you know, very passive and not very active in, in that point in time because that really suited uh, my lifestyle. And I was working a lot of hours in this other job, so I didn't really have time to pay attention to what was going on with certain stocks. <laughs> but eventually, this bank uh, ran into a lot of trouble. Uh, the share price reached an all-time high of $165 a share. And then they ran into some trouble and eventually went to $2 per share. So I was very lucky uh, and also very smart. I was very smart that I diversified the portfolio and didn't have to take on any of that risk. And I knew a lot of people that had still worked at that bank who still had a lot of shares, who lost a lot of people, their life savings and what would have been their retirement, their kids or their grandkids' college funds. So it was a very trying time for those people who didn't heed those lessons uh, at that point in time. And unfortunately, we're seeing it again. 
in today's markets where, where people have been concentrated because for the past, you know, since 2009, the markets have gone up all the way up until the beginning of 2022. And the past 15 months have not been so kind, unfortunately. So the best strategy for any type of, kind of market is always to have a diversified portfolio and you will you will survive. You won't lose any sort of crazy money uh, day to day, week to week, uh, month to month, year to year. Awesome. Cool. So tell me like uh, thing between the saving money and investing money, which one is better? But I think both are different, obviously, and both works the best in the different concept, like or different buying perception or things to spend, you know. Well, investing varies quite a bit depending on the person because everyone has a different sort of investing style or risk capacity, so to speak. So that really varies. And that depends a lot on how a person grew up, where the town they grew up in, what their parents were like, what they've experienced in their lives around around money and what their financial education is. Yeah. So that really impacts how how people invest. And someone could have a very conservative portfolio that makes 2% a year. And then people on the other spectrum who are very speculative, who are up a lot one year, and then they're losing a ton of money the next year. So the investing varies quite a bit. But I would say on the saving end, the saving end is very universal. It's very straightforward. And I think it's a lot easier for people to understand that. Because if, if someone's saving... 15%, 20% of their annual income, they will have enough money saves for what they want to do as they go through life. And having having that mechanism in place is a way to save that money. So it's automatic. So having auto deductions set up from your, your, your checking account uh, every month to go into savings and some into investing. So the you know the over time, keep on saving, keep on saving, keep on saving. And the person is putting that away all the time, every week, every month, every pay period. And that too uh, compounds. And then as they invest the money, given their style, it's going to grow the money as well. So yes, the investing is very important, but if people aren't saving enough to get that that strong base, that strong foundation, um, it could be problematic. But if they're on the other end of the spectrum where they are saving, they are putting that money away. Yeah. It'll be a lot easier for them. And, and like you said before, it was it's hard for people to get to their first 10,000, first 100,000, first million. And a lot of that comes through savings. And once that that baseline is established, then the investing and the compounding really take over and make it so much easier. Yeah. Yeah, it's like money brings money. That's it. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. Awesome, Joe. Any best advice do you have for anyone who is looking to invest money or what the best, if they have some money, where should they go? Because everyone does not have a lot of money. Yeah, that, that's a hard question to answer, uh, given that everyone is different uh, with their their feel around money. Yeah. So I, I really can't answer that for the audience. But going back to our previous point, I would say that saving yeah. is, is very important to save, save. And for people to invest with what they're comfortable with, mm. or they're not not worried or they're not nervous about it. If, if they're having churning in their stomach when they're thinking about a certain kind of investment, mm -hmm. probably not the right investment for them. So they should stay where, where they feel comfortable and they feel safe with where their money is going. But yeah, the number one point is, is to save and to save smartly and 
methodically and in a repeated way. So life becomes easier in a financial sense for these people. I get it. Awesome. Awesome, Joe. Well, thank you so much for getting into the show, sharing all your insights about saving me money, investing money, and financial planning. So yeah, thank you so much for being in. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time and talk to you soon.